0: this podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome back to Breaking Pod. This is episode five. We're going to be discussing the episode called Gray Matter, and more on that in just a second. But before I do, I'm gonna go ahead and say hi to my co-host, Josh. How are you doing this fine evening? How's the How's the Virginia weather, weather over there?
1: The Virginia weather is cold again. It what? Was warm are you serious? And now it's cold. Yeah, it was in the 50s today. Oh my goodness! You know we're that it's far you too know, cold for May. Yeah, it's the middle of May. You know you're expecting spring weather, and then all of a sudden you're back into the 40s and 50s. It's been terrible. I put wow. away all my winter clothes.
0: Yeah, as you should in mid-May. That's that's a normal human thing to do.
1: To be honest, as listeners of the podcast know, I'm a big fan of shorts, and so once the once the long pants go away, the shorts don't really go back in the in the closet. So I just I just push through.
0: Yeah, you know I uh, I can get by in pretty cold weather with shorts and a hoodie. That's all I need. I yeah, I also am a big shorts guy. So um yeah. well, uh, you did you watch some Thrones this week?
1: I did. Yes. So we are nearing the end of Game of Thrones. For, for listeners out there who are also fans of that. And I won't give any spoilers on this podcast, but Zach, one of the things that I've been noticing as I've been watching the final season of Game of Thrones is that, you know, there's a lot of online discussion about each episode and each moment. Right. And, you know, on Twitter and there are thought pieces written and and on Instagram and really all social media platforms and, and all over the internet. I just It just got me thinking that... I wonder if the perception of Breaking Bad would have been different if we had social media at the level that it is right now, because back in 2008, when Breaking Bad premiered, there was social media, there was certainly Facebook, I think Twitter was just beginning around that time, or, or a couple of years in, and there was conversation, but it wasn't anything near like what we have now. You know, it seems like everybody and their brother has an opinion about everything. And the first place they go is to post it online. Do you think that the reaction to this show would have been different? Or do you think it would have been received in much the same way? Because this, you know, Breaking Bad was a show that was pretty much across the board thought of as one of the best shows of all time.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I... I think it's really been interesting to watch game of Thrones really have sort of its cultural moment here. And of course, game of Thrones has been going for years, but it's this final season that really has people talking. And I think that has been aided by the rise of Instagram. Uh, Twitter has enjoyed a nice resurgence among sort of, uh, pop culture aware millennials. Uh, the ringer, for example, does it's, you know, talk the Thrones post post episode cast on Twitter. Uh, yeah. And
1: they get millions of viewers. Yeah.
0: It's amazing. Um, I, I don't know if I don't know if it would have. I, I guess it would have magnified the viewership of Breaking Bad and would have sort of magnified the place that it holds in the cultural milieu. But I'm not sure if it would have actually augmented the messages that the show has because I think you know Game of Thrones is not a. Um, I mean, I think there are some like some deep things to appreciate. It certainly some artistic things, lots of impressive cinematography and production, but it doesn't have the same uh, moral messaging that Breaking Bad has. And I think it's you know while it does have impressive production quality, uh, you know its money goes more towards special effects than the uh, than the Breaking Bad budget. So I think in some ways it sort of helps that Breaking Bad doesn't have a sort of social media amplified uh, channel where Game of Thrones does. And I don't know. I think it's I think it's nice that you can have a genuine sort of rewatchable conversation about Breaking Bad, and you can encounter people who were You know, full blown adults when the show was in production and airing, but never really saw it. They've, they've heard of it, but it never had the cultural moment that Thrones had. And I think that sort of helps it now. Uh, I don't know if I'm off base on that, but that's my initial instinct.
1: I think you're getting to a good point because one of the things that I've noticed about this conversation around a show like Game of Thrones and it doesn't have to be Game of Thrones it can be really anything in the cultural consciousness and and I was even seeing this with Avengers Endgame as well but there's just so much written about it and there's so much talk about whether it's good or not good and and what to, you know what to read into certain things that right. it starts to influence my appreciation of that certain thing. And so, you know, I start to watch Game of Thrones a little little bit differently. And I start to watch Avengers Endgame a little bit differently because I'm reading all these think pieces about, you know, what I should and shouldn't like about something. And so in that respect, I actually think that Breaking Bad and former prestige dramas like The Sopranos or The Wire, Mm -hmm. or I think they actually benefit from not having had this social media Blitz when they were on the air because you're not influenced in a way You know you got the critics opinions, but that was pretty much all that was out there Otherwise right. you just were able to make your own assessment of what you thought of the show Whether you liked it or not and now it seems like if you go against the grain like if you say oh, I didn't I didn't really like that Or I did really like that and you're opposite of what most people are saying It's almost as if your opinion no longer matters and, right. and then you start to think maybe i should think the other way which i don't think is is really good for how you appreciate things yeah i
0: think it it, it doesn't give as many opportunities for for self reflection yeah. right
1: and i think with a show like breaking bad when you think about it and and what i've started to notice as we've had our discussions about it is that this is a show and and a lot of dramas try to try to you know to get to this place but these are shows that need you to think a little bit deeper And if someone else is doing the thinking for you, then I think that's missing the point. So, you know, I think that's why it's fun for people when they're listening to our podcast here to be watching along with us as opposed to just listening to us talk about it, because then they're able to make their own assessments and sort of see whether we agree with that or, or have different takes on it, as opposed to just hearing us say, this is what it is. These are just our opinions. Right. So hopefully you're hearing
0: Josh and thinking, I need to go watch Grey Matter before I listen to this episode. And as a reminder, all of these episodes are streaming for free on, well, not for free, but they're streaming on Netflix. If you pay for a Netflix subscription, you can watch Breaking Bad and you definitely should. So today we're going to talk about Grey Matter. This episode is number five in the first season. It was written by Patty Lynn and directed by Trisha Brock. It feels a little bit different to me, at least from the other episodes um, in the in the show more broadly, but especially the first four in the, in the season. And that might be because this is the only one that Patty Lynn wrote and the only one that Trisha Brock directed. Um, Fun fact As I was doing my, my prep for this. I realized or learned that Patty Lynn was also a writer on friends. She, if you're a friends fan, she wrote um, the one where Chandler doesn't like dogs. And she wrote the one with the engagement picture. Um, And by the way, if you are a friends fan, Josh and his wife, Maureen do the podcast. And two episodes ago, uh, the week before last, they talked all about Friends. It was a great conversation, a lot of fun. I highly recommend. So go listen to the podcast if you like Friends. Um, also, another fun fact, Josh. I looked up the original script. You see it linked there in my notes for this episode, and I discovered that all of the cooking scenes originally were meant to take place in the woods. And I don't know if I don't know if uh, if Breaking Bad was originally not set in New Mexico, but I had to wonder if it were set in like. New Hampshire woods or the Adirondacks, the, you know, Appalachians or something, would it have a different overall feel to it than it does being set in the Albuquerque, New Mexico desert? And I kind of think, yes, it would. It just, it doesn't seem the same to picture an RV at like a, uh, you know, a uh, campsite. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, just different, totally different.
1: Yeah. I think it would definitely have a different vibe. I, I want to say though, that I don't think it would be a it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. It would just be different. I think we'd be getting sure, a different yeah. kind of show. But yeah, I definitely think that and I think also because we're so accustomed to the the desert of New Mexico that that we can't it's hard to picture something else. Just the same way it's hard to picture, you know, different character names that that we will get into when we looked at the original script here for this episode. But I think it would have been fine. It just would have been different. And, you know, we might be having a conversation like, can you believe the original was going to be set in the desert? Like, that's so weird.
0: (laughs) That would have been awful. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Can you imagine them in the middle of a desert on an Indian reservation or something like that? So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I think that I think it would have been fine. It just would have been different. Um, But, yeah, I think it still would have been good.
0: Fair enough. Okay. Well, I think this episode is um, interesting because it shows us some background on Walter White and his relationship with these two people who we we meet in this episode. We've seen one of them before. Their names are Elliot and Gretchen Schwartz. This is, I mentioned it has a little bit of a different feel from the first four episodes. It's not action-packed, and I think I would venture to guess, Josh, that this is kind of where Breaking Bad loses a lot of people because when you talk to someone who says they started Breaking Bad but stopped because it was too slow, normally they haven't made it through the first season. And I think this is probably where they kind of hit that wall because this episode does not move quickly. Um, very valuable backstory, and it, I think it's saying something here, but it does it does move at a much more slow uh, and deliberate pace than the first four episodes. But with that said, um, it adds some good good context, so we'll talk about that. Um, in the opening pre credit scene... We have a little bit of Vince Gilligan humor here. Uh, Jesse Pinkman is trying to get a job. Uh, he is sitting down at an interview with this guy who we find out is a bank manager. And Jesse is working hard trying to sell this manager on all of his sales skills. He says, I I really think I would be a great asset to your team. Here is that clip. Uh, wow, well,
2: great. But this position truly is a no experience necessary kind of thing. Well, and uh, it doesn't really
3: say it here, but um, I have a solid background in
2: in sales. I'm pretty much a self-starter, so. That's excellent, but. uh, Excellent. I just, I really feel I could be a major, major asset to your sales force. Uh, I'm thinking there's a little misunderstanding. This isn't actually a sales job. I mean, I'd be happy to consider you for a sales position, but. All of our agents need to be licensed, have at least two years on the job experience, and usually a college degree. Wow. What you'll be doing is more like advertising.
0: All right, I'm going to stop it here, but basically, what he's doing is he's drawing the blinds and he's revealing that there is a man standing out there in a goofy suit swinging an arrow sign, trying to get people to come to the bank and sign up for the bank. Um, and that friend happens to be none other than Jesse's uh, ne'er-do-well friend, Badger. Um, but before I before I talk more about that scene, and it is it is funny and it's a good one to open on, I think it's important to remember that Jesse Pinkman here is trying to get a job. And he's, he's obviously unsuccessful, but he's trying to get a job. And this is right on the heels of remember that uh, scene that Josh walked us through in the last episode, um, uh, where Jesse goes to his parents' house and takes the fall for his brother, right when his parents find the joint and blame Jesse, even though it's his brother's. Um, Jesse is trying to, from from all appearances, trying to get himself back up on his feet and uh, seek a more uh, right direction in life. So he's trying to get a job and a respectable job at that. Uh, he gets turned down and is is said that basically is told that you know, basically we don't have. Uh, we don't, we, we can't make use for use of your talents here, but you can stand on the curb and, and swing this arrow. And he looks out and sees his friend who's, uh, you know, doing a uh, mandatory community service doing this. So not super encouraging for poor Jesse. Um, so Jesse goes out there, talks to Badger, Badger, uh, asks him what he's been doing, asks him if he's been cooking any more of that meth. And then Jesse says that, no, I've been out of the business for a while. I'm thinking about retiring. Badger says, no, I can hook you up with pseudo because, uh, Jesse says, you know, pseudo is getting hard to come by, which obviously is not the reason he stopped cooking. He's just, I think sort of fishing for an excuse and badger cuts off that excuse and says, I can get you some, some major pseudo and then tells Jesse to think about it. So Jesse goes back to his car. Uh, we see him look at the classified ad section of the newspaper where he's circled, you know, five or six possible options. And then he just looks discouraged basically gets back out of the car, And we don't see a conversation ensue, but we're to understand that he basically tells Badger, okay, I'll take you up on it. Um, Go get the pseudo, right? Okay, then we cut to Walt and Skyler. They're in the car and route to someone's party. We don't know what party, but they're they're going. They share a kind of tender moment where Skyler reaches across the car and tells Walt that this will be good for them and that they've been through a lot lately. Um, And remember, they ended the last episode kind of on a tender note as well. Uh, So it looks like things are better between Skylar and Walt. And upon arriving, um, they first of all realize they're very overdressed. We learned that there will be a birthday party for a man named Elliot, who is hosting the party with his wife, Gretchen. I mentioned they're overdressed. Skylar says something about, you know, I guess we didn't get the beige memo. And she's referring to the fact that everyone, literally everyone at the party, it does look like they coordinated this. They're wearing some sort of variation of like white, white, off-white, beige clothing. And Skyler and Walt walk in. Skyler's wearing blue, uh, and it's kind of a dated and kind of youngest-looking dress. She describes it as a prom dress from from 1985. And Walt is in a similarly dated double-breasted navy suit with a strange striped shirt-paisley tie combination. And so they're vastly overdressed and totally out of sync color-wise with this crowd. And I want to talk about that in just a second. But first, I'm going to share with you a clip from the scene. They they get there, and we, we meet Elliot. We meet Gretchen. We recognize Gretchen as the same person from an earlier episode. It was episode two, I think, Josh, um, where uh, Walt is having a conversation with a young woman about... Um, You know what what there is to a human body and then they have that flirtatious exchange where Walt says there's nothing but chemistry here that is Gretchen so we're to infer uh, from the juxtaposition of these two scenes that Walt and Gretchen at some point had a fling um, very possibly before she and Elliot were married but obviously things didn't work out and now she's married to Elliot they're there for his birthday party um, so on and so forth so this is the scene uh, where they're arriving and talking to Gretchen and Elliot
3: oh look there's Elliot
0: Oh, come on, let's go
2: say hello. Elliot, <laughs> Walt, you made it. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, wouldn't miss it for the world. Thank you, Skyler. Hi. Oh, oh, that's
3: right.
0: <laughs> great to see you. You look beautiful as
2: always. Oh, well, these um, days a little more big than beautiful, but. Of course. Congratulations. That was such great news. Thank you. Gretchen, look who's here. Oh.
3: oh. it's been ages. Oh it's, uh, oh.
2: oh, it's so good to see you. <laughs> oh, it's uh,
3: uh, <laughs> really good. <laughs> Skylar, welcome. Congratulations. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. When are you do? Um, we have about ten more weeks. And actually, we recently found out that it's a girl.
2: Yeah. So, oh, so oh. Yeah. Wow.
3: We, We've been thinking about it for ourselves.
2: Oh. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, hey, oh, by the way, uh, securing that patent was just amazing. I mean, the, the work that your company is doing. Congratulations to both of you. Hard work and yeah. uh, a lot of luck. A lot of uh, luck. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, will you excuse us? We've got to say hi. Um, make yourselves at home. We'll catch up later. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that good to hear. Bye.
0: All right, I'm going to cut it there. So uh, I wish that you, you can capture a little bit of it in the audio alone, but I wish you could see it. Uh, this is a very awkward exchange, don't you it's think, It's awkward. <laughs>
1: there's there's no getting around it. It's awkward. <laughs> First of all, like the whole thing about the beige outfits, it's like they're going to yeah. like a restaurant that's set on a beach, like at an all-inclusive resort. And then, and as they say, like Walt and Skylar look like they're attending, like they're chaperoning a prom, you know, like right. they're just super out of place. <laughs> So that it's, there's no question that it's awkward. And, you know, the the other little nitpick I have about the scene is like, okay, Skylar does not look 30 weeks pregnant. You know, Zach, your, your wife has had uh, three children and and my wife has had a child like 30 weeks pregnant is pretty pregnant. And Skylar has like, now everybody's body's different. So I'm not, but, but she definitely looks very not pregnant. And also you don't find out the gender like that late. So that, that whole thing, like that's like a little nitpick thing. Like you could just make it correct, but anyway, yeah, doesn't <laughs> yeah. require that s- much
0: work to get like <laughs> right. The maternity it's a quick cycle. It's a quick accurate.
1: Google search, even in two thousand eight, to to figure out the you know the correct, the correct uh, timeline for a baby to come. Um, right. But yeah, the the scene is super awkward, and you know you get this sense that there's a lot of history here that we don't know much about but right. we, we, the only thing we know at this point is that is that Walt and Gretchen have some sort of a past together. We don't know how Elliot fits into this yet.
0: Right. We do know from the patent conversation, the patent reference, that Elliot's in some sort of scientific or technological industry, um, presumably one that Walt is familiar with, but, but we don't know much about that. We're about to find out in just a moment, but before we go to that scene, I want to talk a little bit more about this beige-blue thing, Josh. I think... You mentioned how out of place Walt and Skyler are when they show up in, in these clothes in the Sea of Beige. And I think one obvious interpretation of this is that this is like the the pauper visiting the prince, right? Like, it's very clear, and we're about to see the gifts that Elliot gets for his birthday. You know, one of them is a Eric Clapton signed Stratocaster guitar. I did a quick Google search. Those things are in the thousands of dollars, right, if you're going to get a, a Stratocaster signed by Clapton. And that's what one of his... House guests bring him for his birthday party. So, this is clearly a different economic stratosphere than a high school chemistry teacher and his wife. So, on the one hand, that's what's happening here. Like, you have Walton Skyder out of their comfort zone. This is not their social milieu. Um, They are out of place and going to this rich person's party. Okay. Um, I think that's a fairly obvious interpretation. I mean, correct, I think, on its face, but uh, I also think there's a little bit more going on here because. As I'm as I'm watching this show now for the third time through, Josh, I'm noticing a lot of subtle uses of color to identify certain characters and sort of signal certain scenes and ideas. And I think this is one of those points. And I did some internet sleuthing on this, and there are um, there are actually lots of things written about the use of color in Breaking Bad. And Vince Gilligan himself has talked about his use of color and how he's. Uh, you know, he's spent extensive, t- extensive time with all the costume people before each episode to make sure the colors are exactly right and perfect for each episode. Um, I have mentioned before how a lot of the show seems to be filmed in like an almost sepia tone because it's all, it's all sort of bleak. Um, so there's a lot going on with color throughout the show. And I think this sort of beige blue contrast is pretty interesting Um Blue is often used as a color of unity and we're coming off of the last episode where we see Walt and Skyder the most together than we ever have seen them and here they're showing up together they're wearing the same color and it's blue and it's a sea of a sea of you know sort of brown beige off white white but then as soon as they finish their conversation with Gretchen and Elliot as soon as they encounter the you know the first people in beige at the party that's when things start to go south. Do you you think I'm making too much of the color thing here, Josh? It seems like an important plot device and we haven't really talked about it at length before, but I also think it's important to think about the color theme in the context of the show, the episode title, Gray Matter. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I definitely think there's a deeper meaning to the color thing. I think it's one of those things that is hard to pick up the first time you watch because you're absorbing so much other information. But when you do rewatch it and you're reading these pieces and you're you're sort of becoming aware of all of these little subtle things, I think that there's, you know, a great use of color throughout the show. And I think that it's a really smart way to provide some more context as to what we should read into some of these characters. So I think the most obvious thing when we think about color is white and black. And, you know, black is often meant to distinguish someone who's evil and white is someone is meant to distinguish someone who is more pure. And I think that the interesting thing is watching someone sort of shift from a lighter color to a darker color, which is, you know, one of the articles that you linked shows that Walt's color scheme in the things that he wears shifts from a more lighter yellowish beige color th- right. all the way through to very dark. And I think that that's a nice way to look. There's actually there's actually a really cool thing where you can look at the progression of someone's color in each season and in Mm -hmm. a visual way. And, um, and it's a really cool way to sort of see that someone is shifting from one place to another in in sort of their personality. Yeah. So I I definitely don't think you're reading too much into it. I think that there's a lot, there's a lot here and it's interesting that, you know, as we're talking about this to, to sort of be aware of it as we move forward throughout the series.
0: Well, as you mentioned the white and black thing, uh, I wanna I wanna come back to that theme just after I play this next scene because we're about to find out uh, what gray matter is and how Walt and Elliot Schwartz fit into this. So this is the this is the sort of uh, revealing dialogue about what gray matter is, and then I want to come back to the color theme in just a sec.
2: This is the white in gray matter tell oh okay uh well back when elliot and i were in grad school we came up with a name <clears throat> schwartz black walter white so together they became gray matter technologies hey, thank you so you run the company with elliot oh no um, no that's that's gretchen and, and elliot yeah, yeah yeah i i gravitated toward education ah what university <laughs> i love the uh the
0: question there what university and uh, I cut off the scene, but if you watch it, uh, Walt actually never answers the question. He just awkwardly nods and sips his champagne. Um, but So so this is the backstory now. We just got it in very brief form, but Walt and Elliot were once business partners. Walter White and Elliot Schwartz, Schwartz meaning black, they put their resources together and came up with gray matter technology. So that is why the episode's called Gray Matter, although I think it does have some, some sort of color uh, references to it. And then in the context of your point, Josh, about white and black being the most obvious sort of plot devices to signal moral rectitude of a character, you know, the black character is bad. The white character is good. I think what's interesting here is, you know, Walter White, obviously, I mean, that, that name is a, is a deliberately chosen name and Walter White is not a white person, especially by the end of the entire show, as we see his character develop. But Elliot Schwartz, I mean, we see him be a very pleasant person at this party. By all accounts, seems like a good guy. And what's interesting is the very first time we see Elliot, he's wearing this sort of off white beige sweater, right? So we see Elliot Schwartz wearing this off white beige sweater. So I think right there we're we're getting a commentary from the the show's producers that this is that that, that things are not as they seem, basically, if that makes sense. Because he's not wearing this like sleek looking black shirt. He is not, he's not wearing something that looks like a high powered ruthless businessman wear. he's wearing a mild mannered like beige white sweater. And this is, this is the Schwartz of the Schwartz white duo. And on the other hand, we know what the white in the white Schwartz duo is capable of. So I think the message is here, things are not always as they seem.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely like you can't judge a book by its cover because you think of a a CEO or or the head of a a very rich company, a very profitable company, and you would think that they would dress and act a certain way when in reality, you know, they might just be a a normal person who happens to have a gigantic house, a gigantic mansion, which is also a nice juxtaposition to the Walter White household which is a very modest house with a very modest backyard, and this is the exact opposite. And right. then I think you look at someone like Walter White, who you might think, looking on the outside, might is this mild-mannered person who happens to just teach high school chemistry, but on the inside is this much darker person.
0: Right, totally. And I mentioned, too, that Walt and Skyler show up in blue, blue being a, often used as a color of peace or unity, and then they have this conversation, this first encounter with Walt and Gretchen and things kind of go south from there. So they split up to sort of socialize independently the party. That's where we heard this conversation about, this is the white and gray matter that I just played. And, and Walt kind of gives the backstory to some of Elliot's colleagues. Um, but while Walt is wandering around by himself at this party, he sees Skyler having a conversation with Elliot. He doesn't see what they're saying, but it looks like they're talking about something serious. He wonders what Skyler's up to. And then he wanders inside, walks around the house a little bit, has a coughing fit, um, sits down and Elliot talks to him and Elliot pitches him a job and is trying to get Walt to work for him. And this is how that conversation goes.
2: Table. Look, I, I, I understand you, you, you're a little rusty, but you're not seeing the upside here. We, we could really benefit from a, a new set of eyes. You know what it's like when you, you, you've been trying to crack some problem for months on end, you get tunnel vision. One guy thinking outside of the box, you may be exactly what we need. Well, listen, Elliot. It, the offer is very appealing. It really is. I thank you, but. Uh, there's, there's. There's uh, something you should know. I, I, I have some personal issues, and, but there's, there's nothing we can't work out. Well, no. yeah, but it's it's complicated. We can help you. We we have excellent health insurance. The best.
0: And at this point, Walt's demeanor grows icy because he realizes that he is being offered charity here. Because Elliot has talked to Skyler, he puts two and two together, realizes that Skyler has told Elliot that Walt has cancer. Elliot was previously in the dark, and now Elliot is trying to convince Walt to work for Gray Matter again, so that he can basically help Walt get the treatment he needs and presumably take care of his family, et cetera. So this is interesting. We have a couple of previous business partners, we don't know the circumstances of their, you know of them going their separate ways. We do know that Elliot still runs Gray Matter and Walt now teaches high school chemistry. We would think perhaps that they had an acrimonious split, but we know that Elliot still invited Walt to his birthday party. Maybe they split over, you know different affections for Gretchen. That's one possibility, but they still were at least amiable at the party and Elliot did invite Walt to his party. And now we even see Elliot trying to convince Walt to come back on board at Gray Matter Technologies. So the the fault here with whatever happened at Gray Matter doesn't really seem to be Elliot's fault. Or if, if it is, at the very least, he's clearly buried the hatchet because he's trying to get Walt to come back. And Walt is even, he looks like he maybe could be convinced to come back to Gray Matter Technologies until Elliot drops the line about having excellent health insurance. Because it's at that point that Walt realizes that Elliot is giving him this offer because of Walt's lung cancer. And he views that as charity and doesn't want to take charity because he's he's better than that. So Walt politely but steadfastly declines and then heads out. Did anything from this scene strike you, Josh?
1: Yeah, it's such an interesting relationship that we're starting to see unfold here because there's a couple of things that I want to point out. The first is that in the first interaction... We we hear that it seems like Gretchen and Elliot knew that Walt and Skylar were expecting a second child, right. which is which is not news you share with people unless you're relatively close with them because this is right. again remember this is before or, or at least we don't we don't see them using social media or anything like right. that so it would have to be like I don't know like a written birth announcement like they sent it in the mail now right. I don't know if they feel obligated but. Gretchen and Elliot genuinely seem like, "Oh, that was great news." Like it doesn't seem at that point to be, you know, anything but genuine. The other thing about this relationship that's really interesting is that when when Walt is or I'm sorry, when Elliot is opening his gifts and he opens the Stratocaster, well the next present that he opens is the one from Walt, which I don't remember if you mentioned or not, but it's a package of ramen. Yeah, which which we learn is is sort of like a nod to their past because while right. they were developing this company, they they needed to eat ramen to save money, and apparently this particular brand is not it has been discontinued. What's interesting about that is that Elliot's reaction. You know, you might think at first that he's going to laugh this off, like he just got a you know several thousand dollar you know worth Stratocaster signed by Eric Clapton, and yet his reaction is it seemed to me to be really genuine. Like he was he was totally, very much yeah. like, thank you. Like this is Absolutely. probably means more to me than any of these other gifts that I could buy myself. Right. And yet you bring something that, that really means something to me. And so I think to your point, like I really feel like his offer for Walt to come back and work at Grey Matter is genuine, regardless of the fact that, that you know he's doing it because he feels like it will help their their situation with Walt having cancer. But you almost get the impression that maybe he's offered this before. You know, yeah, that, that he's that he, you know, something happened clearly in their past. And we don't know exactly what that is yet. But you get the impression that, you know, he genuinely wants him to come back. And then here we go again. Walt is, you know, letting his pride get the best of him and he's reacting negatively towards it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's probably more accurate to say that we can't divine Elliot's intentions. They seem good, and what matters is that Walt thinks that Elliot's only giving him this offer because of the lung cancer, right? And I think that's what makes Walt disinclined to accept. And so he declines, and that's that. The other thing I wanted to mention about this scene is that we opened the show with Jesse trying his darndest to get a job right so he's we see him in the interview at the beginning we see him go back to his car he has poured over the classified ads of the newspaper section this is you know back in the the mid 2000s when newspapers had classified job sections and he's clearly put time and effort into trying to get a job and it's only when he can't and he's foiled at every turn to do that that he ends up going back to the old life walt on the other hand has in front of him an offer for not just a job, but a very lucrative job to give him everything that he needs to put his family on a secure path for a future with or without him and to get the money to fund his cancer treatments. And he declines. So we've talked a lot about the sort of, the sort of yin-yang, the, the opposites of Jesse and Walt as they're presented continually throughout the show. And I think this is just another great example of that. Jesse trying to get a job and not being able to Walt being offered a job and turning it down and instead opting to go back to his old ways. So he declines the job from Elliot. He gets really angry as they walk. He slams the door of this mansion. He's not interested in talking to Skyler. And then he, when he finally does, he says, uh, what did you say? And she says, what do you think I said? And they drive off. And then the next thing we see is we're we're back to one of those really <laughs> the, these scenes that Josh has talked about before, these really awkward family breakfast scenes where everyone's just, you know, spooning pancakes or cereal or whatever into their mouth and no one's saying anything to anyone at all. And then Walter Jr. gets up to leave. Walt that recognizes that as his cue to get up as well because he's the one who takes Walter Jr. to work or to school. And then Walter Jr. says, no, I'm going to take the bus today. And there's no argument from the parents. It's just, okay, he's taking the bus. That's strange. But again, just a really awkward family breakfast scene. This is not a family that enjoys close relationships with each other. So then we're back to Jesse. Um, Badger is his newfound supplier. He shows up at Jesse's house with a duffel bag full of sudo, the uh, the, su- the fed that he promised Jesse, that they can, Jesse can basically reduce down to the... Um, the constituent element uh, of meth. So the two of them cook together, but it's very clear that without Walt, the the magic is missing. Badger is uh, an idiot <laughs> and uh, he is just not able to hold a candle to even what Jesse can do helping Walt out. In fact, Jesse is kind of excelling in chemistry here. So he has uh, finally been a good student of Walt's in the chemistry department, is able to actually teach, teach Badger some stuff on chemistry. Listen to this. This is... Jesse uh Mr. Pinkman the chemistry instructor teaching Badger the student
2: Big ass beaker huh <laughs> uh, Hey wait wait no that's yeah that's a, a boiling flask This is a beaker Here's a Griffin beaker here's a, a volumetric beaker Here's uh an Erlenmeyer flask um you got Wow really know your shit it's just
0: basic chemistry, yo. I just love this scene so much, Josh.
1: Can you imagine like what would happen if if Badger had been in the same class that Jesse was in? Like, is there a grade lower than an F? You know, we saw Jesse's <laughs> test in the last episode. He got an F yeah, and it says ridiculous, apply yourself. I think right. Badgers would have just been like incomplete. Like, please remove yourself from the school. You're you're not worthy of coming <laughs> here. I mean, like, he's he's clueless, he's totally clueless.
0: Yeah, completely. Um, And Jesse, on the other hand, has really taken to it. I mean, he was sort of um, mocking Walt when they first started cooking together for being so specific about what is and is not a boiling flask. And now he is imitating his his teacher, right? Or, Or as we've talked about before, Walt is really kind of a father figure to Jesse. So we already see Jesse kind of coming under the tutelage of Walt and mimicking him in some important ways, notably in this instance, his knowledge of chemistry. So... Um, definitely a funny scene though, where uh, <laughs> where Jesse—it's basic chemistry, yo. Um, so then we see Walter Junior. He's hanging out with his buddies outside of a gas station. He gets busted for trying to convince a guy to buy him some alcohol. The guy happens to be an off-duty cop. Off-duty cop. Um, instead of arresting him, though, he just calls Hank uh, when Walter Junior. Pretends that Hank is his father um so hank shows up basically says hey man this isn't cool why'd you do that why'd you why'd you say that i'm your dad when you have a dad it's clear from this scene it's, it's sort of underscoring that walt is very absent from walter jr's life he doesn't functionally speaking doesn't really have a father right now and if someone is a father figure to him it is hank so hank drives walter jr home and then he marie and Skyler talk about walter jr's pot usage which if you recall from an earlier episode is something that marie inferred from a comment skyler had made about uh about a literary character using pot but what she was really asking about was walt senior using pot marie thought she was talking about walter jr so there's this giant misunderstanding now skyler corrects them and says no i wasn't talking about walter jr i was talking about walt and so this is, it's a, it's a funny revelation to Hank, at least on, at the outset, because he never thought his straight laced, uh, chemistry teacher brother would smoke pot, but the three of them eventually decide it's time for an intervention to, uh, and I quote, sit him down all of us and talk it all through. So, um, so that's what they do. And this is essentially the final scene in the movie. Um, but it's it sort of cut and cut it cuts back and forth between some other scenes, but this is kind of the final, I guess the final uh, major stage scene of the movie. And I think it's worth pointing out that this sort of cuts back and forth between this scene, the the intervention, and Jesse and Badger trying to replicate the meth recipe and doing it unsuccessfully. So I won't play those scenes for you. I'm going to play the intervention scenes instead. But when we're going back to see Jesse and Badger, Jesse's adopted Walt's perfectionism. So he is not just content to make some substandard or even you know above standard meth he has to make it exactly clear and it has to be exactly perfect the way that he and walt made it before so he tosses an entire batch of the stuff and then badger starts a physical altercation he uh you know even picks up a crossbow and tries to shoot it at the rv as jesse's driving away and leaving him in the desert again badger's not uh the sharpest knife in the drawer (laughs) um so then we're back to the intervention when this starts it's a great slow scene and kind of iconic in the sense that it has all of the major characters in this season present, except for Jesse, of course, who is um, driving away, leaving Badger in the middle of the desert. And I looked at the original script, Josh, for this intervention scene. Some of Skyler's lines are changed, but Hank's and Marie's words are basically untouched from the original. So that they were they were preserved, and I think um, their words are pretty powerful here. So um, I'm going to play a few things. Um, the first is, uh, so, th- so they stage this intervention um, in their living room. Skyler says there's the talking pillow, right? So whoever is holding the talking pillow is the only one who can talk. Skyler starts out, tells Walt why she thinks he, c- he should uh, accept treatment because up to this point, remember, um, he has said he's not going to do treatment. So she tells him why she thinks he should accept treatment. Um, and then uh, whoever has the talking pillow next Uh, can can give their contribution. In this case, it's Marie. So what I'm about to play is Marie's contribution, and I think there's going to be some stuff to talk about after that.
3: Me, personally? I think you should do whatever you want to do. What? You told us to be honest about our feelings. Walt's the one with cancer. It's his decision. It's not up to any of us. Why in the hell would you do this? Hey, hey! I wasn't planning on agreeing with Walt, but after sitting here and listening to you all talk about his future like he has no say in it, I I just think he's not going to have a future if he doesn't get treatment. I am a medical professional. I x-ray people in treatment every day. I see them every day, and you know what? Some of them are absolutely miserable. Marie. I'm sorry, but it's true. And some of them don't want to spend their last weeks or months being picked at by doctors. But they got talked into it by their families.
2: You know, can I get the pillow back? Because I I agree with Marie on this one. Hank. What? Maybe one wants to die like a man, all right? I don't want him to die at all. That's the whole point of this. So either help or leave.
0: All right, I'm going to stop this scene there, Josh. So, a couple things I think that this underscores to me. One is uh, Marie is not a good person. <laughs> so, they're, they, they talked about this intervention. They were going to schedule this intervention to try to talk some sense into Walt and get him to take treatment for his family's sake. And then Marie totally blindsides her sister and basically says, Walt, I think you should do what you want to do. You know, I'm a medical professional and I've seen people go through this and suffer. Uh, the second thing I think is that she. Is a, is a pretty useful uh, useful plot device in this scene, I think, to sort of give voice to some of Walt's concerns. We're about to hear that from Walt himself directly, but she does, I think, outline some of the stuff that he's afraid of. And I think it is, in some ways, fear that's driving his decision-making because he doesn't want to end up like those cancer patients that Marie describes who go through uh, almost indescribable suffering just to, to maybe have a fighting chance against cancer. What do you make of, of this scene?
1: Well, the first thing I want to say is, where where has Walt been? Like, this is the second time we've come upon people just sitting around without Walt. That's clearly not during the day when he's at work. Right? Like, what? Right. We know he's not out cooking meth. So, like, where has he been? That's an an interesting thing. Now, it might have just been a practical thing, where Brian Cranston, you know, they wanted to give him some time off. He can't be in every single scene. But at the same time. It's like is he just driving around thinking about his own mortality, or like that he you know he's dying and he doesn't have any other options? I, I don't know it's an interesting thing thing to think about from that perspective with regards to the conversation, you know, I had a slightly different reaction to Marie's words, and I actually thought that you know, I didn't find what she said to be preposterous, you know, I thought that Skyler here comes off as a little bit demanding, like, like it's an intervention, but she, the only way that it will be successful for her is if Walt changes his mind and listens to exactly what she's saying. It's almost as if there's no room for discussion. Now, Marie's on the entire other side of that, which is, I think he should do whatever he wants. And I think sure. that the realistic thing is that you might come down in the middle somewhere, you know, this is not a situation where, you know, someone has an alcohol problem and the only, the only real solution is for them to go, to go cold turkey and go to rehab or something like that. This is, you know, someone's life in the balance, but you know, there is a level of he wants to be able to live, which we're about to hear. And so I think that, you know, Skyler she approaches this in the in the wrong way. And Marie doesn't help, but she helps she helps move it back towards the middle, you know, away from like Skyler's 100% demands of you must do the treatment. This is the only option.
0: Right. Yeah, I think you're I think you're spot on. I also think that what she says is not preposterous and I think it's reasonable to have conversations about like, how do we, you know, how do we balance probability of success of chemo treatment versus the misery that it will create that would detract from the remaining life that we do have together. I think those are totally reasonable questions to ask, but I think the the way that Marie does it by like basically agreeing to have an intervention to get Walt to do treatment and then blindsiding her sister and being yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think you should do what you want. I mean, right, right, not That's great. That's true. That's um, not, yeah, that's not great. But I, I also think that what we're about to hear from Walt is um, maybe some of the most profound words we've heard yet in the entire show because it does illuminate his character in some really important ways. And I'm going to play it in just a second, but I want to first kind of preface it by saying, remember how we first talked in the, oh, I guess it was... Episodes one and two about Walt as a man who feels like he doesn't make his own choices. He's always stuck in a prison of his own making, or maybe not even of his own making. It's just, you know, he doesn't have any choices to make. So I think he looks back on his life and thinks that he has arrived where he has today as a complete victim of circumstance and hasn't had a say in any of it. And he doesn't like his little sepia-toned house. He doesn't like his high school chemistry teaching job. He doesn't like that he's not a part of gray matter. He doesn't even seem to particularly like his family, and it just seems like he's stuck going through the motions day in and day out. And I think this next bit of dialogue from Walt, which is really kind of a master soliloquy, in my opinion, and Brian Cranston delivers it spectacularly, uh, I think he, he confirms our suspicions. It's not that he's frustrated about his life being cut short by cancer. It's that he's mad about having always been forced to color between the lines um, that he hasn't been able to control his future the way he wants to. And I think if this is the case, it casts Walt in a different light. I can play this scene. Do you have any comments on that first, Josh, or do you want me to go ahead and play
1: it? Yeah, I just think he feels like he's the kind of man who can't even have real bacon on his 50th birthday. Exactly. Vegan bacon, which is just, you know, when you turn 50, you should be able to (laughs) eat whatever you want for that one day at least.
0: And I, I do think it's interesting because as you just mentioned about the, in your commentary on the Marie thing, this does kind of reflect poorly on Skylar, doesn't it? Like, yeah. I know you made that, that bacon joke kind of tongue in cheek, but also a little bit seriously. And that, yeah, this is a guy who on his birthday doesn't even get some bacon. He is made to eat this like vegetarian, vegan substitute. And Skyler is definitely a controlling person. Uh, I'm not saying she has no, no virtues, but one of her vices is she does tend to want to control people. And I don't think Walt responds well to that. I don't think he uh, particularly appreciates it. And I don't think it has helped things in him sort of uh, reassessing whether or not he wants to continue on in this life that he's leading. And anyway, we're about to hear his uh, sort of discourse on choice here. This is uh, Brian Cranston's Acting Masterclass right here.
2: All right, I've got the talking pillow now.
0: Great line, by the
2: way. Okay. We all in this room, we love each other. We want what's best for each other, and I know that. I am very thankful for that. But... Uh, What I want, what I want, what I need, is a choice.
3: What does that mean?
2: Sometimes I feel like I never actually make any of my own choices, I mean. My entire life, it just seems I never, you know, had a, had a real say about any of it. This last one, cancer, all I have left is how I choose to approach this.
0: So that's it, Josh. All I have left is how I choose to approach this.
1: Yeah, I... The, okay, so there's a couple of things I want to point out here. The first is that I was looking back at the original draft of this script that that you had linked in our show notes uh, for yeah. us to consider. And what's really interesting, and for those of us, for those of you listening who, who aren't aware exactly of how a TV writing room works, it's that there's a group of writers led by Vince Gilligan, who is considered the showrunner. So he's in charge. He created the show. And they'll assign specific episodes to people to write. And so as Zach talked about, this is an episode that was written by someone other than Vince Gilligan. And what's interesting about the first draft of this that, that we have a copy of here is that the beginning of the speech in, in the script that we have doesn't mention choice at all. Um, And and it does by the end of his speech, but it's more about, you know, Walt talking about Elliot's offer and, you know, we're going to be indebted to him. And it's pretty clear that Vince Gilligan, when he was reading the draft of the script and, and providing notes to the writer made it clear that the choice part was the important thing here. It really wasn't about Elliot and Gretchen's offer. And I think that's really important to note that that, that ended up making it into the final cut of this scene. It's really about Walt wanting a choice here. And the other thing that I thought, you know, with regards to him making a choice is that, you know, you were talking about before we listened to this clip that, you know, sometimes Skylar tends to be controlling and, you know, she made him... Veg, you know, vegetarian bacon on his birthday. But one of the things that I think, you know, you can consider a fault of Walt's is that he might not always be expressing what he wants. You know, he feels as if he is sort of in this situation and doesn't have a choice, you know, and he hasn't been able to make any choices. But I think he's expecting Skylar to like read his mind. And and that's just, that's a common problem in any relationship when one person feels a certain way and they're not able to express that to the other person and they just want them to know. And I think that's partly Walt's fault here. That's a a really funny rhyme there, Walt's fault. (laughs) But But I think that that's partly his problem is that he wants people to just understand that he's not happy, that he doesn't want vegetarian bacon on his birthday. And yet this is the first time we're hearing him express, this is what I want to do. And I think that's really important that he is expressing that out loud.
0: Yeah, I think it is. And I, I mean it, it's all it's it's just too bad. I mean it's almost like a it's almost like a, a rom com, right? Like no rom coms would exist if characters just talk to each other and are yeah, honest yeah, with each exactly. other about how they feel. And I, I think in some ways like there's a parallel here where these characters aren't good at communicating with each other and to each other. And they probably could have saved a lot of pain. And maybe they they wouldn't have started down this course that will ultimately lead Walt to places he doesn't foresee but maybe they wouldn't have even gotten this far if they had been able to talk about things earlier because like you said this is the first time that we hear Walt saying this so they have this this thing it's really kind of a heartbreaking thing as he as he outlines the way he feels and why he basically doesn't think it's worth fighting anymore um and then we cut to Walt waking up the next morning Skyler's already left the bed he sort of looks pensive. He gets up. He goes into the kitchen. And then he, he nuzzles her neck. He kisses her. And then he tells her that he'll do it. He'll do the treatment. And then we see Walt at the doctor for his first radiation treatment. There's an extended and kind of artfully done sequence of his procedure prep. And then presumably with the treatment completed, we see Walt in his car parked in a suburb.
1: Yeah, I I just want to ask you, like, what do you think prompts his change here? Now, I have one thought, and the only thought that I can think of is that in the intervention scene, he does hear from Skylar and Marie and Hank, but he also hears from Walt Jr. And that, to me, was the most striking part of that conversation because Walt Jr. is pretty much saying, you know, like, don't you want to see me grow up? Like, don't you care about me? And as a parent myself, i would I can say that that the opinion and and sort of like the needs of your child is a very powerful thing. and And I think you know that too, Zach. Like you would do anything for them and And he also knows that he has a daughter on the way. So do you think that it's because of that? or is there something else that I'm missing here about why he decides to, after one night, he's reconsidering and and gonna do the treatment?
0: so I think you're I think you're partially right. I think it is about Walter Jr. and what Walter Jr says. But I don't think it's about Walt's motivating love for his kids. Because what Walter Jr. says is that basically his dad's a coward. And he says that to his face. And again, working from my theory that Walt is a extremely prideful man who's driven to do everything he does almost exclusively by the original sin of pride... Um, I think that's That's an affront to his pride that he ultimately can't stomach. Like the the son that he has begotten and the son that has to use cripples to walk because um, he has been disabled from birth, that son is now looking at his own father and calling his father a coward. And to me, I think that's the motivating thing that pushes Walt over the edge and is like,
1: okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah, that makes sense. But,
0: but I do think it's interesting to point out like, like the the extent of Walt's thinking. And the next scene... It's going to illustrate this. But basically, the point of the intervention is, look, Walt, we have a good doctor who can do a treatment that could very well have success, and we have friends in Elliot and Gretchen Schwartz who are willing to pay for it because, keep in mind, uh, I don't think I mentioned this already, but Elliot offered him a job, and then short of taking the job, Elliot also offered to pay for the whole treatment, right? So so Walt doesn't even need to work for Grey Matter slash Elliot, Elliot and Gretchen still offered to pay for the treatment. So, um, so Skyler's point is: Look, we have a doctor, we have the treatment, we have the money. We just need to do the treatment, right? And so Walt um, wakes up the next morning and says, "I'll do the treatment." And the interesting thing is, the interesting thing is that we would would like to think, or we would assume, that uh, at this point Walt has agreed to also accept the money from Gretchen and Elliot. Um, and so, what we see is him go through all of the the uh, radiation for his first radiation therapy, and then he's in the car after his treatment's completed. He's by by himself in his car, parked in a suburb, nondescript suburb. We don't know where he is exactly. He gets a call from Elliot, or he thinks it's Elliot, on his phone, and then he answers the phone, and this is the scene that, uh, that follows.
2: <laughs> Elliot. Well, it's Gretchen. Oh, hey, hey, Gretchen, how are you? You know, it was it was really great seeing you two the other day. And, and... Wow, what a party!
3: Walt, uh, Elliot told me about the cancer. I, I I'm, I'm so sorry.
2: Uh, well, you know, it is what it is, I guess
3: say except i'm always here for you both of us are we wanted you to know that
2: yeah well thank you
3: well um, elliot told me he, he, he'd offered to pay for the treatment you have to accept that money as far as we're both concerned that that belongs to you even the name of our company it, it's, it's half yours Walt. Is this about you and me?
2: Gretchen, I really appreciate the offer. I do. Um, but we're fine. Uh, as it turns out, the... Insurance came through after all, so, uh, I am covered. And, uh, well, uh, anyway, I, I, I really appreciate it. I really do. Thank you.
3: Good. That's good news.
2: You know, that really was a, a great party.
3: Keep in touch, okay?
2: Sure. Sure. And thank you for calling.
0: So he wraps up that conversation. He gets out of the car. And I mentioned he was in this nondescript suburb. We see that he's actually in Jesse's neighborhood. He walks up to Jesse's house outside of whose whose house he's been parked. Uh, Jesse sees Walt coming, asks him what he's doing here. And then Walt just looks at Jesse for an extended sequence, maybe five seconds. And then says, want to cook? And then we cut to black. It's pretty powerful.
1: Yeah, it's a good ending. It's a good ending to the show. So, here's here's what I want to ask you because this this has bothered me ever since I rewatched this episode. I don't know how much I made of it the first time, but you know, the more we talk about Walt being a prideful man and and really caring, you know, about his his uh, you know, what his reputation and everything right. like that. You know, to me what what we have here is that one, Walt has told Gretchen and Elliot that the insurance is going to pay for his treatment and two we know that he must have told Skyler and his family that he's going to accept Gretchen and Elliot's money you know because there's no other way he can he, he can you know pay for this treatment or that they can afford it so right. to me isn't isn't for a prideful person the perception of how you come mm. across to other people the most important thing like to me Walt should care more about the fact that his family thinks he's taking this money, like right. like it doesn't matter if only he knows that he's providing for his family by cooking meth. To me, it's it would make it makes less sense that Walt, as a as a super prideful person, would let this ruse of accepting money go on for his family. Right. Does that am I am I reading too much into that? Like I, it just has bothered me since the since I watched the episode again.
0: No, that's. A- that's a good point. Okay, how about this though? To a prideful person, I think it's it's important that they maintain the illusion to at least a certain person or a set of people. And we already know there's this mysterious background, romantic background with Gretchen and Walt, right? Right. So maybe, I mean, she even asked him in the phone call, is this about you and me? So maybe maybe his refusal to take the Schwartz's money is really all about Gretchen and his, his desire to not show weakness to her. And, so, and if so, that's kind of a devastating critique on his own relationship with his family because it's, he doesn't care about appearing weak to his wife, right? Because he'll tell his wife that he's taking the Schwartz's money. But what he won't do is tell Gretchen that he needs to take their money or even that she, that he won't take their money. He's just going to tell her that, you know, the insurance came through.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a really good point because I didn't think about it from that perspective. Like, you know, the only thing that I think we can know for sure is that he for himself, he is he is maintaining a sense of of self by by, you know, saying I am going to do this and provide for my family and for what I need. But that's a really interesting perspective to think, like, maybe He's more interested in maintaining a sense of pride and and perception and reputation for someone he doesn't really even see anymore. Yeah, that's that's really and you're right. That is totally sad if that's the case. And, you know, everything we know about his relationship with his family seems to think that seems to say that, yeah, that could be it.
0: Yeah, backs that up for sure. It's it seems like a very depressing family life.
1: Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) That's putting it lightly.
0: So we've talked now about just about everything in this episode. Any any meta thoughts before we go on to our our classic final question?
1: No, I just think it's like you know, Walt and skyler are sitting around at the breakfast table. Where's Walt Junior? I don't know. Maybe he's on the bus. It's yeah. like it's just so sad they don't even know where he is. They don't care. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's crazy. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So final question time, Josh. Who is the MVP of this episode? I'm gonna have I'm gonna have you answer first.
1: Okay. Well, I couldn't back you up last time with your pick of Skylar, but I'm going to give it to her this episode. Oh, I'm wow. Say Skylar okay. Skylar is the MVP. So, I think that brings her to a total of 2. Yes, and, correct. You know, I think that the the main reason is she has a lot to do in this episode. You know, she stages the intervention. She has a lot of like really powerful moments in that scene, which is as you mentioned a long drawn out scene. And I just feel like she does a nice job of holding her own against some of these other really all-star caliber actors. So I'm going to give it to Skylar.
0: I like that choice. She is, uh, to me, my second pick for this episode. But I I respect your reasons. For me, I would have picked her were it not for that monologue by Walt at the end. I just I think that's one of the best pieces of writing of this show. And I think Krantz's performance is really good in it. And I think it so well encapsulates what's going on in Walt's mind. So I really, I really like that monologue scene. And of course, everything else Walt does in this in this show is good as well. But I would say on par with Skyler. And then that uh, that kind of soliloquy puts him over the top. So with those votes, with our our voting system, you and I each get one vote. So now that we are through uh, five episodes, there are ten votes cast. Jesse and Walt are both tied with three. And crazy eight and Skyler are both tied with two crazy eight. uh, Doesn't have much chance of maintaining that tie though, since he's, (laughs) since he's a goner.
1: No, no, absolutely not.
0: All right. Well, that's it for episode five, Josh. Uh, Next is episode six and we'll be doing that next week, but thank you so much for joining. Uh, Any, any final thoughts, Josh?
1: No, I'm excited to. We've only got two episodes left in season one of this of this series, which right. a, which was a season that was cut short because of the writer's strike that happened in 2008. So we'll have a more full season two, three, four, and five. But but the uh, I think that the interesting thing about season one is that it really picks up the pace after this episode, because as I think I mentioned. This is the first episode since the since episode number one that we get any meth cooking, which I think really drives the pace of the show. And and as we hear at the end of this episode, it sounds like Walt and Jesse are headed back to the RV to go, right. go at it again.
0: Want to cook? All right, Josh. Well, it's been a pleasure. As always, I'll talk to you next week. For our listeners, thanks so much for listening to Breaking Pod. Go ahead and watch it on Netflix. Like Josh said, you got to watch it uh, for yourself and then come listen to the podcast. So Netflix uh, is streaming all of the episodes from all of the seasons. It's definitely worth a watch. And we look forward to talking to you more next week on Breaking Pod. Let us know what you think of this episode or if we missed anything, Pod at vernacularpodcast.com. And while you're at it, listen to all the other great shows on the Vernacular Podcast Network, including but not limited to the Popcast, which I talked about that Josh does with his wife Maureen and Vernacular that I do with my wife Sally. And there's other stuff too. Just search Vernacular wherever you get your podcasts and you can find them all. Okay, thanks so much for listening. For Breaking Pod, I'm Zach. And I'm Josh. Have a great week.